0: Welcome to As Told Here, conversations and stories shared in the public interest in Studio W at WPAA-TV and Community Media Center. As Told Here brings community media to where you are.
1: The, The other end of the food chain when it comes to agricultural production and consumption, I'm an eater and I'm a cooker, um, is the best way to describe it. I, you know, I'm, a, I'm a trained and schooled chef, and I have been a food service manager. I think the critical thing is to understand the tipping point and when things changed for me personally and professionally, and now why I do what I do, and to tell you what I do. I went to culinary school in Providence, Rhode Island, and got a job shortly thereafter as a chef at a college down here in New Haven called Albertus Magnus College. Uh, not the other college <laughs> in New Haven yeah.
0: You know I just was,
1: all I wanted to do was cook and lo and behold while I was working at this, this college a, as an assistant chef this large contract food service company came in and took over managing the food service at Albertus Magnus College and kind of adopted all the employees. So, I mean, you have to imagine, I'm a 21-year-old, you know, spit and vinegar, you care less, you know, uh, you know, youngster, saying, oh, they're saying, you're gonna now be an employee of, of this contract food service company. I says, look, is it gonna affect my pay? No, is it gonna affect my benefits? No, how about days off? No, I said, whatever, then I don't care. The company, I, re- I came to realize, managed institutional food services all over the country. Um, they were large, and when, and when I define institutional food service, the best way I usually describe it is places that have to serve a lot of food to a lot of people for very little money. Schools, hospitals, colleges, insti- you get the picture? Institutional food service. I soon kind of got the, got the picture here that if I played my cards right, I worked hard, and I learned, I could move up the corporate ladder. <clears throat> And I did, I moved my way up to to the point where I was the chef manager at Albertus Magnus College. And then the company um, offered me a job as a manager. It was a low manager on a totem pole. And I uh, took the apron off and put on the jacket and tie at Choke Rosemary Hall, here in Wallingford. And and I was there for 10 years. Uh, And again, I did what I guess I needed to do and eventually Became the food service director at Cho Rosemary Hall. Other than the job I'm in now, I can honestly say it was the best job I ever had. It's a wonderful place to work, and that's how I ended up settling in in Wallingford. Went from Cho. Company moved me to Wesleyan University as a food service director. That's a story for another day, over perhaps some cocktails. It's just, it was. It was. If Cho was the best job, Wesleyan was the the best learning experience I could <laughs> possibly have. Had a very volatile customer base with the student body that protests the top of a hat, hat question authority, I represented authority. I had a unionized workforce that hated management, I, I was management, and I had to run a profit and loss. Everything was dollars and cents. How much money was I gonna make running a food business? How much could I cut and save in managing labor and dollars and food so that I could buy from big business and big box processed food, so I can make money and make profit for this company. Seven years later, um, I, you know, raised my hand and said, "It's time for me. I got to get out of it. You know, this was this was driving me, you know, pretty crazy." But because, so the company had said, "Look, we just got the account. We are the first Ivy League school has contracted with a contract <coughs> company. Yale University is on board." we need an executive chef would you like to go home and consider if you'd like to be the executive chef at Yale University and I said no. They said what do you mean no? I said I'm not going to go home and consider it. I'm angry right now. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why, how could I possibly turn down a job to, like that? You know to, and, and use all the management experience I've gathered and, in the past but also put, a, put my chef coat back on and even though I wasn't cooking because we had a large culinary staff, I oversaw all the cooks. And it was a, it's a big place, you know, we're serving 6,000 undergraduates, three meals a day, seven days a week. You do the math, it's a lot of food. Everything was about dollars and cents, how can we reduce costs, you reduce food costs. You know, don't maximize labor, cut, you know, use processed food, save, save money for the client, save money, save, save. Dollars and cents, bottom line driven. About two years into the job there, on one particular day, everything changed. It was the beginning of the change for me, I guess, is uh, when it happened. And you have to imagine, I was out at the Yale Bowl uh, setting up, it was a Friday afternoon in November of 2001, and I was setting up for a picnic for the next day for the game, mm-hmm. Yale Harvard football game, and my cell phone rang, it was my boss, and he said, Stop what you're doing come to the president's office we need to meet with a parent <laughs> like I'm not a second here. You know, you know I'm busy getting ready for this what we gotta do tomorrow and all these students and how, you know picnic and you're the one that usually meets with parents and I've never been called to the president's office what's going on who is this and he says well her name is Alice Waters and for those of us in the food industry um, that name, Alice Waters, you know, could run shivers down your back. That month's gourmet magazine came out with its annual top 50 restaurants in the United States. Alice is a restaurateur owner of a restaurant in Berkeley, California, called Chez Panisse. Guess whose okay, restaurant was ranked number one in the country? And this was a parent, and who wants to talk to the guy who's feeding her kid? <laughs>
0: Well, the first thing I had
1: to do was pick the phone off the ground, off the ground and stop stuttering, and I, uh, I said, oh, okay, I've got to meet with Alice Waters, oh my god. So needless to say, Alice had convinced the president of Yale to think differently about the food that they were providing these future global leaders of our country. Think about the impact that it has on everything around us, on the environment the impact that it has on local businesses, on local farms, on health and nutrition, on social issues like animal welfare, human rights, and you know employee welfare, all these kind of things. And you should really put in a sustainable food program. She was ramming this home. And the president was enamored, said, I'm really, I really like what this crazy woman from California is talking about, and went to the company that he had hired to manage the food service. And went to the president and said, "You know what? Figure out what she's talking about. I want to see if we can do it here at Yale." And the company was really wanted to keep the account at Yale. And you know how the proverbial um, manure rolls downhill. This is an agricultural discussion. Compost. Um, It eventually, the uh, Vice President for New England and the the Director of Food Service at Yale came to the Executive Chef and said, figure out what this woman is talking about. And we want to put in a pilot kitchen of a sustainable food program here at Yale University. Now, I had been in charge of a lot of projects, a lot of fads, a lot of food things had come and gone over the course of, at this point, about. I'd already worked for for this company, institutional food service, for 20 years, and I said, "Sure, you know, whatever, whatever's next." We put in pizza concepts and wraps and vegetarians and vegans and this and that, and they come, they go, whatever. I have one question: What the heck is sustainable food? So Alice said, "Come with me." You know, Alice stands about this tall, but she's got the power and energy of somebody that, of a giant, and. She taught me, literally, I went to school, literally and figuratively to understand what is sustainable food, and that's when, as I learned, this is when the light bulbs started going off in, in my head, more more so than light bulbs in the past, I guess, but I started to realize that there were, that every decision I made, and, and you have to imagine there was a lot of money at stake here, and a lot of things beyond money, that everything I made, buying food and planning menus and training staff impacted the environment, how food was grown, you know, what did it do to the planet, what did it do to the water systems, pesticides, herbicides, you know, in, in large-scale food production, distances food was traveling, packaging, all these kind of things I never thought about, you know, were, were impacted. Also, this, you know, the second pillar of sustainable food that I came to learn was, um, how did my decisions impact my local community? Where were my dollars going, and where were they not going? Um, and I had to start plugging into the local agricultural community, which I had no idea it even existed. I just thought food came out of, a, out of a truck, out of it came out of a warehouse up in Cromwell that we ordered through, you know, a computer based on code numbers. You know, that's that's what I do. And I had to plug into understanding the whole local community, and that's when I started connecting with. True champions, true artisans, true rock stars, the farmers, and the people that could that, that produce food here in Connecticut and, and around southern New England. And lastly, the last pillar of sustainable food that I come to learn was the impact that it has on our bodies. You know, my customers' health. And how food can make us healthy and food can make us not so healthy. So when this went off and I realized that food was more about common sense as opposed to dollars and cents and we said we got to figure this out we had to do this so Yale is set up to have 13 residential colleges and dining halls um, one of the dining halls was chosen to be the pilot site it was the Berkeley dining hall which was completely ironic name, the connection to Berkeley, California was, there is none, it was, people <laughs> might say, oh, well, people say that's where Alice's daughter was, so that's, it wasn't where she went, it wasn't her residential college, it was, it was what it was, but I had to, you know, go in and start figuring out how to put in a sustainable program, and through that process, and this is not a discussion that we could take up, I could take up another two hours about how that, the, the, the peaks and valleys that we went through, but what ended up happening was it worked. We ended up scaling back, you know, this monster we had created, all about choices and options of cheap food, and came up with a menu only this big. But it was about food that had a great story behind it, that was sourced as locally as we possibly could, that was organic when we could, you know, we could figure that out, and also was just fresh. And we promoted all these stories behind it. and and many times brought in a farmer, if we could, to meet with the kids. It was so popular, the one story that I can't avoid sharing with you guys is that we had to start turning away students from the Berkeley dining hall. You have to imagine, 13 dining halls used to always run the same menu every day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, so kids could go wherever they wanted to eat. Now, Berkeley had a unique menu. Now, granted, it was no longer about choices, all these options, and burgers and pizza and delis and all these, you know, hundreds of things. It was about, you know, less choices, which had made me scared to death initially. What am I going to, what's going to happen? It was so popular, we had to stop. Kids from coming in unless they lived in that residential hall. They had to show us their ID. I'm a Berkeley student. You know what the kids did? Kids <laughs> so were creating fake IDs on a college campus to sneak. Now fake IDs on a college campus are not uncommon. <laughs> generally for beverages, but just, <laughs> kids were sneaking in to the. Because so it taught me that you know what, with the with the right method of change, it wasn't just pull this menu item out and put that menu. There was a whole system that we put into place it can work and other and at that point now we're into 2005 we were having to spread it to the other colleges at Yale and we were getting inundated from other institutions other schools other colleges asking how did you do it what did you do and that's when really the the leap of faith happened with myself as you know what we need to you know, we need to bring this to other people this can happen we can do this and my first instinct was look I've worked for 25 years for this company um, we've got 350 college campuses, let alone the hundreds of schools, the hundreds of hospitals that we manage in this country. Why don't we start doing this in other places? And I went to the vice president and told me to do this and I said, let's do it. I wanna be involved, let's start spreading this out. This is the direction our industry needs to go. And he said, stop, you've done a great job here and we're really grateful, but it's not the direction we wanna go and there were reasons for that and you know we could get into that but before i knew what well, came out of my mouth i said it's the direction i'm going i can't go back you can't get me to start serving the crap that has terrible stories behind it if they have any stories at all i want to continue going on this road and it works we put in a system we have a system in place here that'll work and i want to be able to do this so thank you for 25 years of employment i'm calling. And he said, "What are you going to do?" I said, "I don't know. I'm going to figure it out." I gave like a four-month notice for the rest of the rest of the academic year, and um, several people from even the company pulled me aside and said, "This, you're nuts! If you don't create a consulting company that can go out and help other people do this, so that's how you know I'm a chef, I'm a manager, I'm an eater, but I'm an advocate." in institutions and have figured out how do we make how do we provide better food to, to our kids in schools, to our patients in hospitals, to you know, the young adults, the future leaders in colleges. It can it can happen. It's not easy. You know, there are a lot of challenges, but it, it'll work. And you know, we've been doing this now for about eight years and it's had its peaks and valleys, you know, it's a leap of faith to to, to, to do this and um, As I mentioned, other, you know, the previous best job I ever had in the world was at Chilk Rosemary Hall, but this, nothing can hold a candle to this now. I mean, I, um, I I believe this is a direction we need to go. The, The connection to local agriculture is one of those four pillars of sustainable food was how we can support our local communities. Where do our dollars go? And I know in the state of Connecticut, was somewhere in the vicinity of three thousand acres of farmland are lost a year to developments, <coughs> to golf courses, to you know, to, to housing boom. They're, they're gone. Not to mention the age of farmers retiring. And the good news is there are more young farmers. Uh, thank God there are some, I shouldn't say more, there are some starting to come in. But we need a lot more to to, to really Get it, to provide us with this food, because um, there's not a lot of it. We're in a pretty crowded part of the country where we don't have huge farms, which is a good thing. And we don't want huge farms. You know, monocrops, monoculture. There's a lot of reasons we don't you know want to get on that road. Um, but we, we, what we do have, we've got to sustain. We've got to support. Does does this happen just in institutions or or as you see in restaurants? No, it needs to happen in our own homes. I mean, it changed the way that I eat and my family eats. I do what I can, and we do what we can. And I try to teach my kids to understand and respect where food comes from and the stories behind the food. One of those things that I tell uh, my clients in big Schools and and colleges and hospitals, and I tell parents, I'll tell families, is find out what you're doing right now when it comes to this sustainable food commitment and make you know draw a line and just ask yourself, what's the next one thing I can do? Maybe it's I'm going to start buying local milk that doesn't contain artificial growth hormones, or I'm going to start getting to a farmer's market once a week when they're open. What's the next one thing? And do it. And then draw that line, and then ask yourself, okay, what's the next one thing, and do it as a family, do it as a, you know, as as a, as a team. Find out where you are. Do one more thing, and when you do that, just do one more thing. Yeah. Do you think you cannot, or do you think you can? And ask yourself, no, can't or can.
0: Thanks to our local producers and Team Hercules for production support. As told here, conversations and stories shared in the public interest in Studio W at WPAA-TV and Community Media Center. As told here, brings community media to where you are.